ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله في السراء الحمد لله في الضراء والحمد لله على كل حال واشهد ان لا اله الا الله القوي القادر المقتدر وهو القاهر فوق عباده واشهد ان سيدنا وحبيبنا محمدا صلى الله عليه واله وسلم عبده ورسوله ولو كنت فظا غليظ القلب لانفضوا من حولك فاعف عنهم من يطع الله ورسوله واولي الامر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله واولي الامر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له ومن يتوكل على الله فان الله يحب المتوكلين اما بعد dear committed muslims I'd like to begin this khutbah with a parenthetical remark. The recording of this khutbah is done in the street. And if we were located inside of a building, the tone and the volume of my voice would not be what it is. It's just that experience forces me to speak in a louder voice than would be the case if we were inside of a building. And sometimes it's difficult to listen to a person giving a khutbah with a roaring voice. But that's the conditions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has calculated for us. This is the second Jumu'ah in the month of Ramadan. And the last Jumu'ah in the month of Ramadan is the day in which Muslims, if they are conscious of the world, if they are conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, commemorate the day of Al-Quds. And because this year, the last Friday in the month of Ramadan, as is the case or has been the case in all previous years, that Friday is going to be the Eid for many Muslims. And the following day, Saturday, is going to be the Eid for some Muslims. So to avoid a conflict of when the last Jumu'ah is, as a precautionary choice, the day of Al-Quds will be on the solar calendar, the 8th of June. That's two Jumu'ahs, not the next Jumu'ah, but the Jumu'ah after. That's when the day of Al-Quds will be observed by conscientious and involved Muslims. Of course, other Muslims, they are living somewhere on another planet and our salah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our dua is that Allah guide those who are tardy to joining the real world. As has been the case in the previous khutbahs, we don't observe the day of Al-Quds or any other day on the Islamic calendar as just one day during the year when it comes, oh, we're all worked up. And then when it leaves, we, we recede, we go back to the material gravity of this world. No, we're not that tight. And because of that, we've been speaking about 
Jerusalem Al-Quds we've been speaking about Palestinians the refugees the displaced the homeless the stateless the oppressed for all of these weeks and we will continue on this journey of some type of knowledge and enlightenment so that when we approach an event and then when we leave that event we do so with consistency and with principle not just reacting and not just occasional Muslims there's an ayah in Surah Al-Najm 13 through 15 in which Allah Subhanahu says وَلَقَدْ رَآهُ نَزْلَةً أُخْرَى عِنْدَ السِّدْرَةِ الْمُنْتَهَى عِنْدَهَا جَنَّةُ الْمَأْوَى This ayah as well as a cluster of other ayat preceding it speak about the Prophet's mi'raj into the heavens. This ayah is saying وَلَقَدْ رَآهُ نَزْلَةً أُخْرَى And he, meaning Allah's Prophet, saw him, meaning Jibreel, Allah's, for a lack of a better word, courier, وَلَقَدْ رَآهُ نَزْلَةً أُخْرَى in another formation the Prophet of Allah may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have his blessings and mercy upon him saw Jibreel in this world when Jibreel approached him with Iqra when he was in the cave of Hira and on other occasions Jibreel alayhi salam would come to him and the prophet would see him but he would see him in the dimensions of this world in other words jibreel would manifest himself similar to a human being in this ayah allah jalla sha'nuh is saying the Prophet of Allah saw Jibreel in his true configuration. There was no dimensions of this world. It was beyond that. And this is an honor for our Prophet to have seen and probably no other Prophet has seen Jibreel in his true dimensions. وَلَقَدْ رَآهُ نَزْلَةً أُخْرَى عِنْدَ السِّدْرَةِ الْمُنْتَهَى Where did Allah's Prophet see him? It's a place called Sidratil الْمُنْتَهَى What is Sidrat al-Muntaha? Sidra is a type of tree. Al-Muntaha means where infinite if you can if you can work your minds on this where infinity recycles into another reality uh, this is mind challenging and reading these ayat we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he has addressed our minds and cautioned us that even though there's a large premium placed on the human faculty of thinking this faculty of thinking cannot comprehend everything we can't and this is one of those areas this is one of those times that our mind stands still Sidrat al-Muntaha, that's where all the knowledge of 
humans and al-jinn and the angels, all of their knowledge stops. Our knowledge cannot go beyond that. The Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reached that particular, if we want to call it area, that particular area. Sidrat al-Muntaha. It's as if Allah is saying this is where infinity grows. Once again it challenged because we don't we say infinity but we refer our mind to our imagination. That's how we can sort of get a grip of what infinity means. There is where the eternal residence of paradise commences. Now, even the word al-jannah, which occurs many, many times in the Qur'an, and we try to understand it, even that word is left up to the combination of a disciplining mind and a runaway imagination. Another ayah in the Qur'an says, مَثَلُ الْجَنَّةِ الَّتِي وُعِدَ بِهَا الْمُتَّقُونَ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ أُكُلُهَا دَائِمْ وَظِلُّهَا The similarity of the Jannah that was prophet to, that was promised to المتقين is something like a place underneath which rivers flow in which nourishment is continuous and its shade is continuous meaning its temperate temperature it's not going to be cold and it's not going to be hot in today's world air conditioning We don't know what it's going to be in a thousand years from now. In those days, it was the simple shade of structures. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is helping us understand the eventual compensation of those who worked for it in this life. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says concerning his prophet at the end of this mi'raj, لَقَدْ رَأَى مِنْ آيَاتِ رَبِّهِ الْكُبْرَى Behold, he has seen of Allah's monumental impossibilities, ayat. The Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa the last Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was given access to see what Allah's defying power and authority can do. This only occurred ayat kubra, the combination of those words, occurred in another ayah in the Quran, and that ayah is in Surah Taha. 22-23 and it pertains to Musa the ayah is وَضْمُمْ يَدَكَ إِلَى جَنَاحِكَ تَخْرُجْ بَيْضَاءَ مِنْ غَيْرِ آيَةً أُخْرَى لِنُرِيَكَ مِنْ آيَاتِنَا الْكُبْرَى in this Instance, Allah was telling Musa, you place your hand under your arms or within your bosom, depending on the understanding of the word. And then you take it out and it's going to look as if it is white or radiating. This is another demonstration of Allah's authority and power. 
And then the end of the ayah says, لِنُورِيَكَ مِنْ آيَاتِنَا الْكُبْرَى So that we may show you of our awesome, our monumental, our magnificent ayat. Musa was on earth when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala demonstrated his remarkable power and authority. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described our last prophet as being exhibited Allah's profound and monumental impossibilities that was in the heavens. During this journey in which the angel Jibreel and the Prophet Muhammad, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon them, when they were accompanying themselves, they reached a certain point in which Jibreel said to the Prophet, I cannot go beyond this point. And the words are, لَوْ تَقَدَّمْتُ لَحْتَرَقْتُ وَلَوْ تَقَدَّمْتَ لَحْتَرَقْتُ Jibreel is saying to Allah's final prophet, if I were to proceed forwards, I would be incinerated. I would burn. But if you were to proceed forward, you would go forward. You'd make, you'd make it through. This is an honor that we, as far as we know, this is an honor that Allah Jalla Jalaluh has given to his final prophet that he has not given to anyone else. And even with this honor, we make no distinction among Allah's prophets. We don't come and say, Muhammad is superior to Isa or to Musa or to the others. That's an Israeli attitude. We don't have that type of selfishness in us. And that, this works into today's realities. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala works his mysterious yet magnificent will even in the affairs that we are supposed to be in control of. We'll take two demonstrations of this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed these ayat in the course of 23 years. One of these surahs, a short surah that most of you probably have memorized, says, Tabbat yada abi lahabin wa tab. Ma agna anhu maluhu wa ma kasab. Sayasla naran that lahab. Wamraatuhu hamalat al hatab fi jidiha habilum min masad. All of us have heard this and recited it many, many times. Now, Abu Lahab heard these ayat. He had the human will, he had the freedom of choice to say, even in a munafiq way, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna muhammadan rasulullah. Had Abu Lahab said that, he would have discredited all of the Qur'an. Because you'd look at this surah and look at what Abu Lahab said and you'd say, something's wrong with the Qur'an, this person became a Muslim. But it didn't happen. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is embedded in our own selves. He knows what we are going to do and what we are not going to do. So he spoke the truth even though a human being could have proved that that truth is not true. That's on an individual level, on the level of superpowers. The first ayat in Surah Al-Rum, Alif Lam Mim, Ghulibat Al-Rum fi Adina Al-Ard, 
وهم من بعد غلبهم سيغلبون في بضع سنين لله الأمر من قبل ومن بعد This ayah basically is saying that the Romans were defeated There was war between the Romans and the Persians To refresh a little of your history This war has been ongoing for, I don't know, it still continues actually If, If you look at it in one sense This is the longest war in the world Between those who are in Persia and those who are in Europe but in this particular chapter of this war, this ayah was revealed. And this ayah says, the Romans were defeated. And after being defeated, they are going to triumph in a matter of some years. And Allah is in control of these affairs before they happen and after they happen. Now, when it comes to the regular Muslim mind, even when even scholars, when they read history, there's a blank in this history. There's a vacuum in this history. And that vacuum has to do with as if the Romans and the Persians did not know that Prophet Muhammad was in Arabia and was making a radical change in that area of course they knew but why is it when we read our history books we don't realize that they were part of the developments in that general region and area why this happens in this regard it happens in other instances all the way up to karbala as if they don't exist This is an area that the Muslim mind has to catch up and integrate the relevant information so I can understand what happened then and how it corresponds to what is happening now. So when this war took place, nine years after that, the war between Persians and Romans settled. The Persians were defeated. The Romans were triumphant. And this ayah was revealed then. After nine years of the revelation of this ayah, the Romans, I may have misstated myself, the Persians were triumphant, the Romans were defeated. After nine years, it was turned around. The Romans were triumphant and the Persians were defeated. During those nine years, these two superpowers, they could have disproved the Quran. They could have come, signed an agreement among themselves. We are in a, in a state of peace now, no more war. And then what happens to the meanings of the Quran? They, 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 they're put in question and in jeopardy and they're disproved by the behavior of these two superpowers. But the meanings of the Qur'an came true. They came true regarding the individual Abu Lahab who could have disproved the Qur'an. They came true when it came to superpowers that were fighting. They could have disproved the Qur'an. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as I said, He is embedded in our human nature and in our human societies. He knows what will happen and what will not happen. And remember, all of this took place, all of these things that we are talking about took place when our beloved Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him, was just about to be the subject of an assassination attempt by the leaders of Quraysh and Arabia in Mecca. And then from there on, our Prophet became a muhajir. It's, it's, it's a shame that today's Muslims, when among us we have displaced people we call refugees 
We don't have enough Islamic knowledge to say they are muhajirs, meaning they temporarily left, forced to leave their place of origin, resettled somewhere and then became part and parcel of the place they resettled. The people in Al-Madinah, when the Prophet and the other Muslim expellees, when they were forced out of Mecca, they weren't told, you have to remain a muhajir, you're not part of us. Just like what happens in today's world. Muslims who are refugees from Palestine or from Myanmar. By the way, the Muslims in Myanmar, who in the course of the past year were slaughtered, policies of genocide applied to them, their women raped. Now many of these women, I dare say in the thousands, their babies are going to be born now, this month in Ramadan. Babe, illegitimate. Because they were raped by savages. When the Muslims were displaced from Mecca, they were not treated like unwanted beings. Today, when Muslims are displaced, they are treated like unwanted beings. So there's a difference between those who understood Allah and His Prophet at that time and those who understand Allah and His Prophet according to Saudi propaganda and the rest of the financial and power establishments in the world. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم أدعوه سبحانه وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة وتوبوا إلى الله إن الله تواب رحيم الحمد لله الذي هدى وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا المصطفى وعلى آله وصحبه أولنها والتقى Dear committed Muslims When speaking about the Saudiized, you might as well now with the close relationships that are developing between Riyadh and Tel Aviv, you might as well say not the Saudiization of Islam, but the Israelization of Islam or the Zionization of Islam. I mean, how clearer do you want the events to be? And let's visit some information just from last week's khutbah until today. Let's visit some of this information. The Minister of Communication in the Zionist illegitimate nation or tribal state said he wants to send an invitation to the Mufti of Saudi Arabia to visit Israel. For your information, the Minister of Communication in the Zionist Israeli Tribal State is of Arabian origin. He's not an Ashkenazi Jew or a Sephardi Jew. And he belongs to one of these minorities that the Israeli establishment has taken into confidence. So they give him a portfolio. I don't want to mention his denomination because some Muslims, they'll listen to this and understand it in a sectarian manner. We want to avoid this plot and this trap of sectarianism. And then further yet, he said, we are going to invite, we're going to extend an invitation to Saudi Arabia and the Gulf statelets to attend a singing competition that's going to be held in the colonized Holy Lands. 
Last week, there was a uh, protest, a large protest in Turkey in support of the Palestinians. And this protest, I want to quote, we know the higher up officials are playing a very dangerous political give and take. For your information, it is so dangerous and it is so out of order that one of the officials who is a friend of a friend of yours truly, a couple of years ago, performed Salat al-Jumu'ah in this masjid. And then he walked by here because the Turkish embassy is right there. Just that building next to us. He walked by and when our mutual friend asked him, did you go and greet the Imam on the sidewalk? He said, because of political considerations, I dare not do that. So whatever it is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he knows what is in their hearts and he knows and is keeping track of all of their policies and decisions. But truth be said that, and I'm going to quote what he said, what the president of Turkey said in the pro-Palestinian demonstration last week. He said, Al-Quds is not just any city. Rather, it is a symbol and a test and a Qibla. So if we are not capable of protecting our first Qibla, then we cannot with confidence anticipate a future in, we can, in which we can preserve our last Qibla, meaning Al-Haram, Mecca, Al-Kaaba. These are strong words. We wish that these Arabians who are ruling had the courage to make such statements. None of them, none of them have made such forceful statements in support of those who have been displaced from the Holy Land, of all people. Now from quote, quoting an official who blends Islam with dirty politics. We move to a senator here in the U.S. Congress, and we're going to quote him. He said, we need to acknowledge. Now, some people are going to say, why are you quoting a non-Muslim in a khutbah. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. If he's saying the truth, then we quote a non-Muslim. The truth is not a monopoly of Muslims. Anyone who knows the facts and speaks them, there's nothing wrong with quoting them. And for the other types of Muslims, we say, at least there are some who are not Muslims, who have more spines a spine bone, a backbone in them to say the truth and not be silent when Muslims are being killed, shot at, tortured, maimed, injured, displaced, all over the place. So what did the senator say? He said, we need to acknowledge that Saudi Arabia is a problematic act in the Middle East. We shouldn't be enabling an arms race between Saudi Arabia and Iran. We also need to stop supplying weapons to Saudi Arabia that are then used to massacre innocent lives in Yemen. When you hear something like, by the way, the senator is Rand Paul. When you hear something like that, you say, where, where did the manhood of Muslims go? What happened? Now, 
with the new law system in Saudi Arabia, the people who used to be what they call the morality police, they've been sidelined and sidetracked. And now the Saudi kingdom is turning secular and opening up and giving what used to be prohibited freedoms to their own women in society. What's beginning to happen is a type of solicitation advances from men towards women. And this has created a stir in the social media over there. Many people are for it, say women, they deserve this freedom and they should be in society like everyone else. Not the way you, in, the way you meaning Hayatul Amri bil Ma'roof and Nahiya Anil Munkar, not the way you interpret the ayah Waqarna fi buyutikun and stay at home. That's the way you understand it. So this is now this transition from what it was called Islamic to what is called civil law, from sharia to civil law, this transition is causing unease in that kingdom among those who favor more freedom for women and those who interpret interpret the role of women to be basically in the house and nowhere else. Last week, the Saudi authorities arrested seven social activists. The reason for arresting them is that the Saudi rulers, they want to be the only one who can express what freedom means in that kingdom. No one else can do that. And if you try to do that, they'll put you in prison. Well, today, they out of the seven, they released four and they picked up another one and put him in prison. In the past week, there was a plane in that kingdom that was taking off from the airport in Al Medina and flying to Bangladesh. That plane had to make an emergency landing in Jeddah because the front wheels of the plane would not come down. As a result of that, 53 pas passengers were injured. There's no reports of fatalities. 53 were injured. But the question here is, if you've ever traveled in that part of the world, you realize that the flights that take off from the airports in the Arabian Peninsula going eastward towards India or Pakistan or Bangladesh or Sri Lanka, wherever they fly to, of those poor countries, they are substandard airplanes. The service is minimal. They treat the passengers if they, as if they are second or third class passengers. Now, this could apply to the mechanics at the airport. They, they saw a plane, uh, they said, oh, this is going to Bangladesh. We don't know for sure. But when you begin to look at the whole picture, you, can, you cannot avoid the question of, why was this a malfunctioning plane? Why was it permitted to fly? Thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there were no serious casualties in that. Then you have two of the official da'is, that's what they call themselves, religious scholars who publicize the meanings of Islam are called da'is of there. They have two of them. One of them is called al-Arifi. The other one is called al-Kalbani. In this past week, in the social media, in that kingdom, these two were made fun of. Why? Because they were promoting commercial products they become like advertisement personnel the first one al-arifi was 
promoting a particular type of coffee called Arabex, and the second one was promoting a particular type of bottled water called Veen. It happens every once and then a khatib from the haram says what is appropriately to be said. Today the khatib in the haram said he's cautioning the the tribal citizens in Arabia he's cautioning them against this wave of entertainment they're opening up cinemas and they're opening up clubs and they're opening up sports events and all of these things and so this khatib took to the minbar and is cautioning those who are listening to this type of potentially be a potential behavior resulting in fahisha he said we became proud we meaning the muslims became proud people during the month of ramadan major encounters occurred during the month of ramadan in badr al-yarmouk al-qadisiya hatin but he said when Muslims encountered their adversaries, what did they have? They have a lot of weapons, did they have a lot of war material? No, they had none of that. They had the determination that comes from the month of Ramadan. And we second the voice, the determination that comes from the month of Ramadan. Ask him, this person, why do you have all of that wealth? President of the United States referred to it. They are, they are ridiculously wealthy. They have all that wealth and, and many of the other Muslims around the world are below the survival level. Yesterday or this week, a man in, in Tunisia, a man who's about 62 years old was discovered who was living in the past 30 years in a cave, an underground cave. Of course, when the, the government in Tunisia now shows more care for its citizens when they discovered that they took him and they placed him where a place where he can eat and drink and shower and be an average human being but what happens in a society that is fasting and in that society you will find individuals who cannot find a place to live those individuals are condemning our fast we are guilty towards them because we're proving our fast is not working. It's not supposed to do what it's supposed to do. And the same thing can be said about these filthy rich Arabians. Speaking about filthy rich, the elections that took place in Malaysia just the other week, resulted in the confiscation there were raids on officials the first one was the prime minister this razak mercenary last week and this week on his protégés and those raids on their houses yielded 30 million dollars in cash in their homes what are they five six ten individuals 30 million dollars in your homes they confiscate the authorities they're confiscated 400 handbags purses stashed with jewels and watches all of these were officials who were running the country in these past years. Imagine what the raids 
if there were raids on the homes of those who are in the Arabian Peninsula, what type of yield would come out of there? Maybe they need a person like the elected prime minister of that country. The ambassador of the United States in the Holy Land was photographed with a picture that shows no Masjid Aqsa, no Qubbat al-Sakhra, rather the third temple of the Yahudis. Was there any objection from our officials? Even, forget about officials, come down a little. From these people who ascend the Manabir on Fridays, was there any word of objection to that? As if they are showing us the future and we remain dangerously silent. And he's in the picture he's smiling or laughing. And then their minister in the Zionist colonizing entity, he calls for the incarceration of all the Palestinian Arab members of the Knesset. I don't know how many, how many there are, maybe about 10, little more, little less, whatever they are. He said, throw them in prison. And then that Zionist illegitimate entity calls upon the ambassadors of two countries, Spain and Slovenia, to protest their government's protest against what the Israelis are doing to the Palestinians in Gaza. Remember, this is, I think, the seventh week in which the Muslims in that, and today there was exchange of, there was firing from the Israeli side. The others don't have any fire power. They don't have any weapons. It's a peaceful expression of their will to return to their homes. And they shoot upon them like they do every Friday. And they kill one person today. And they injure scores of others. And this is the month of Ramadan. And we are fasting. And many of us who are in positions to speak out remain silent. That silence is a condemnation of you and your fasting. Dear brothers and sisters, committed Muslims, we don't know your intensity, your fervence in this month of Ramadan, but definitely if you are fasting as is required, you cannot look askance when atrocities, massacres, wars are in progress unless you write off your fellow Muslim as a subhuman being. And no, no Muslim in his correct character will write off another Muslim as being a non-entity. And for those who do and are fasting, they're going to be slapped with their fasting on the day of accountability. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'ah. وَأَرِنَا الْبَاطِلَ بَاطِلًا وَارْزُقْنَا اجْتِنَابَهُ وَلَا تَجْعَلْهُ مُلْتَبِسًا عَلَيْنَا وَاجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةً وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنَةً وَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ رَبَّنَا لَا تُزِقْ قُلُوبَنَا بَعْدَ إِذْ هَدَيْتَنَا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب رب اجعلني مقيم الصلاة ومن ذريتي ربنا وتقبل دعاء رب اغفر لي ولوالدي وللمؤمنين يوم يقوم الحساب 
اللهم انصرنا بالحق اللهم انصر الحق بنا اللهم كن معنا ولا تكن علينا بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها وإذا حكمتم بين الناس أن تحكموا بالعدل إن الله نعما يعظكم به إن الله كان سميعا بصيرا ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون يعلم خائنة الأعين وما تخفي الصدور وأقم الصلاة وأرحنا بها Allah, <laughs> 